where the lines between fantasy and reality are blurred. One fantasy football podcast stands tall above the rest. Balling on a budget. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Balling on a Budget, the fantasy football podcast that's self-descriptive. I'm your host, John Skelly, joined by my homie, good friend, confidant, Fritz Reininger. How are you, man? Good, John. I am really excited for today's episode. Oh, man, me too. I can't tell you. I got, I'm got. i nervous. I got the jitters. I have been nervous all day long, I got to tell you. <laughs> you guys a, are in for a treat. We have a very, very special episode planned with a very special guest. We're going to be going over overhyped and underhyped players, players that are going too high in drafts right now that we kind of want to steer you away from. And other and then players that are going super late that we think are insane values that you got to hop on top. These of. are the game changers. These are the ones like our tight ends, thirteen through twenty four. These right. guys are the ones that are gonna help you win your league. These couple guys. So so stay tuned today. Uh, without further ado, we're so excited. Let's just jump right into it. All right, for this next segment, we want to welcome a very, very special guest. 13 years at NBC and Roto World. Now he's running EstablishTheRun.com with Adam Levitan. It's the big fish, Evan Silva. The goat. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yeah, we, um, we kind of talked about doing this a couple weeks ago. Just couldn't make our schedules work, but I'm so glad that we're getting this in, jamming it in. And um, excited to talk some ball with you fellas. Oh, likewise, man. You know, busy people, no worries. We no totally worries. understand. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you. It's a blessing, really. Uh, like I touched on in the intro, we're just going to run through two uh, overhyped players that are steer, to kind of steer you away from at their current ADPs and two sleepers. So uh, let's. why don't you kick things off for us, Evan, here with uh, as our guest. I will, I will. Um, all right, overhyped players. I'll start with my first one. Um, and I wouldn't say that Drew Brees has generated a ton of, ton of off-season hype, but I'm sure that he's going to be overdrafted in most home and office leagues just because of his name uh, during August and especially late into August when people are who just pick up a magazine off the shelf and you know that's how they make their decisions on draft day. But right. you know he's barely finished as a quarterback one in each of the last two seasons. He's no longer the volume monster that he used to be because. The Saints are running the ball, and they're playing good defense. Yeah. And last year, he actually overshot his expectations because he averaged a, a 6.5% touchdown rate, and that is 1.2% above his career average. Wow. So Drew Brees has regression coming in addition to his volume loss. And then you look at how his 2018 season kind of unfolded and progressed, and I think it's pretty concerning. You know, He went from averaging 285 yards with – a 29-2 touchdown interception ratio over the, over his first 11 starts to 234.5 yards mm. with a 7-5 to touchdown interception ratio over his final six starts, including the playoffs. You know, Drew Brees is 40 and a half years old. Um, he's someone that we should be letting our competitors draft this year. Yeah. He still goes too early, I think, in drafts. You know, look, he had a great run. 
and I still think he actually is a good real-life quarterback, but he's not a good fantasy quarterback anymore in, in at a position that is extremely deep and is now being dominated more so by quarterbacks that can run and add value with their legs, and he just does not do that like – you know, even a, you know Josh Allen or um, Lamar Jackson or even Mitchell Trubisky. You yeah, know? for sure. He just does not bring that kind of upside any longer. He's really a floor play at this point. Absolutely, yeah. I gotta agree with you that when you look at the numbers, his play really fell off down the stretch. And like you said, it's he's forty and a half years old. It's fair to wonder um, how many you know, years left. His father time uh, taking his taking a toll. Well, the Saints went from six hundred to. Uh, our attempts a couple of years ago to the lowest attempts that they had they've had uh, this year, and uh, so you can see they've they've gone from the run pass ratio the the run they're definitely heading more towards a run heavy offense like you were saying before. Absolutely. So let me hear who you guys have to bring to the table here for overhyped. So I'm I'm I took Eric Ebron, and I think last year was a perfect situation for for Ebron. Uh, he had Jack Doyle out. And even T.Y. missed a couple games last year, but he was able to take advantage of Frank Wright's very tight end friendly offense. Uh, he was first time in his career he was targeted over 100 times, and it was 110 times to be exact. And it was the first time he had double digits in touchdowns last year. Um, but uh, when Doyle was healthy, he uh, actually outsnapped Ebron 331 to 164 times, and he actually out targeted him as well with uh, 33 to 22. So it's definitely showing that uh, he's more preferred target of Andrew Luck. Uh, Doyle is, in my eyes, is what I'm seeing. Uh, I think that people are overdrafting him on last year's production. They're not really taking into consideration uh, what's coming back or the the health and the uh, wide receiver core that they do have in Indy now, which is, you know, Mo Ali Cox is, is, is having a great camp. He's 6'5". He's huge. He's a big target. Uh, Abron, I mean, uh, Doyle's going to be healthy again. We've got still got T.Y. You've got Paris Campbell. Deion Kane's going to get healthy. Uh, they took, picked up Devin Funches. You've got Nehine Hines and uh, Marlon Mack, too, to contend with. So I think there's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed. Plus, last year, I don't think you're going to put your, your team's back or your team on the back of, of wide receivers like Chester Rogers or Donchell Inman or Ryan Grant. The, the, the guys are... Uh, they're good receivers, but they're not somebody that's going to take you to the big dance. Um, so I think that uh, he's currently being ranked around tight end 10, and uh, or uh, for me anyway, he's being taken around tight end 7, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes outside the top 12 this year. Definitely a regression coming. I'd take, definitely take Hooper, maybe Cook and McDonald, even Njoku this year before I was going to take Ebron. Yeah, you know, uh, if you go back and look, if you just separate the games where Jack Doyle played uh, versus the games where Eric Ebron, uh, or just where, you know, where, like how Eric Ebron produced in the games uh, where Jack Doyle played versus when Jack Doyle did not play. Yeah. He, uh, Eric Ebron averaged 8.8 targets per game when Jack Doyle was out yep. and 4.4 targets per game when Eric Ebron, or when, when Jack Doyle was in. So that's it. I mean, that's cutting his opportunity in half. This is also the first time that I've ever heard Eric Ebron referred to as Eric Ebron. So I think that we are breaking ground. <laughs> in this podcast. And I, I that's what we do here at Balling on a Budget. Ground. 
and, and no one is worse at pr- pronouncing names than me. I've called uh, <laughs> Delaney Walker, Delaney Walker, and Tariq Cohen, Tarek Cohen. You know, for yeah, years. I've uh, heard uh, I've heard Ross yeah, Tucker get on you for that for Tariq. Exactly. So, so this makes me feel more comfortable. Well, I'm in great company then. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, it's a perfect match here. So, John, who do you have? Yeah, I'm kind of hesitant to bring my guy up because I know that, Evan, you're a huge fan of his. But I'm thinking that Kyler Murray going in the eighth round, early eighth, early to mid-eighth round right now, is pretty high, and uh, or too high. And I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, so I'm very high on Murray. I think he's going to be a stud. I watched every single snap of his last year at Oklahoma. If he can stay healthy... He's going to be a great professional quarterback, um, but and he might even be good off the bat, right off the bat as a rookie due to his familiarity with the offense. But there's just no way I'm touching him in the eighth round ahead of names like Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Jared Goff. He's going off the board as the QB9, and he's never even played a snap. Uh, like I said, I'm high on him, but these people taking him in the eighth must be high on something else, you know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather wait to scoop up Josh Allen or Kirk Cousins in the 13th round where they're currently going. Uh, I just see m- more upside there. You could even get Lamar Jackson late. Um, why do you think, if maybe I'm wrong thinking you're in this camp, but why do you think that Murray would be worth taking over guys like that? Well, uh, I actually have him below consensus. I have him as a quarterback 10. Okay. And depending on where you look um, – I've seen him mostly as like the quarterback six or seven. Um, I took him on Sunday night in uh, FFPC pros versus Joe's draft. I believe is the quarterback six, but I was trying to build like a team stack. Like I took David Johnson as my first round pick. Oh, cool! And then yeah, and then I took uh, Kyler Murray in the ninth round, hmm. and um, I was sort of trying to build you know like a, a team stack. So if if the Arizona Cardinals really exceed expectations, I can almost have access to all their touchdowns because they're either running back and their quarterback. Yeah. So, like, that draft pick was just specific to that draft, but that's actually almost the only draft where I've gotten Kyler Murray this entire offseason. Um, there have been a couple times I drafted him in best ball, but usually he goes a round or two ahead of me. Um, I mean, I, I am, you know, very intrigued by his upside. Uh, but I think I'm. I think we're probably closer on Kyler Murray um, th- than you think. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. That is a nice stack, Murray and Johnson. You add uh, Ricky Seals Jones in that mix, and boom, you're set. <laughs> I, oh, I he went. It's he a league winner right there. I, he went a little bit ahead. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying to get see like Chris. I was thinking about trying to get Christian Kirk. I was nice. trying to get uh, Andy Isabella, even Larry Fitzgerald. I was even looking at Ricky Seals Jones late. Oh. And, the only, and they, they kept going ahead of me, so I settled for Zane Gonzalez <laughs> uh, in, the la- in the second to last round. Nice. <laughs> as the third part of my stack. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's got no competition right now in camp, so you got that going exactly. for you. <laughs> exactly. All right, so another overhyped guy, and I think that this is kind of controversial, is um, Zach Ertz. And it's not because I think that he's going to be nice. an outright bust. I don't think he's going to be a bust, but I do think that there's a good chance that he's overvalued. First of all, I often see him drafted ahead of George Kittle, and I think that that's kind of crazy because you're talking about, first of all, George Kittle's, I think he's a way better football player than Zach Ertz. 
uh, in the 49ers pass attempts projection is much higher than the Eagles, who are going to be a really good team, really good on defense this year. They'll be able to run the ball voluminously because they'll be playing with leads. And you have to compete with Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard for the ball. And then Dallas Goddard could easily, I think, cut into Zach Ertz's production. Last year, Zach Ertz set career highs in targets by 44 and catches by 38. And in back-to-back years, he's outkicked his touchdown projection uh, with eight TDs in back-to-back seasons, whereas George Kittle was way below expectation last year. He caught 88 balls, but he only scored five TDs. And there's really you know, an open competition at the number one receiver position in San Francisco. So to me, George Kittle is actually a full tier ahead of Zach Ertz. Wow. And Zach Ertz is, is a pretty, you know, pretty strong fade for me this season. That's cool. Yeah, I'm in total agreement with you. I have um, Kittle number two behind Kelsey as well. Um, it's and it's that simple that just Goddard is such a good player that's been getting hyped up all off season. There's no way he's not taking some uh, plays away from. But him. our bold prediction, my bold prediction last week was uh, that Goddard would actually finish with more receiving touchdowns than Zach Ertz this year. Love it, I love that. Yeah, so I'm going into mine. I got a controversial player too. My second one, uh, and that's James Conner. Uh, I've seen him being taken as the tenth player off the board. Uh, as early as that, um, and I just think that last year was—I'm not going to say a perfect storm for him, kind of like like Ebron, but or Ebron, but uh, <laughs> but uh, he did kind of poach some of his scores and some of his points. So Juju was tackled uh, five times within the two-yard line, which turned into five uh, touchdowns last year for for Connor. So that would have been only seven rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown for him. So I think that there could be a regression coming. Uh, because of that there's also the emergence of Jalen Samuel uh, he was the all-time leader at NC State I think he's going to take away some of the receptions this year um, they went out and hired Eddie Faulkner which is Samuel's coach at NC State uh, and I think if anybody knows how to use Samuel in the best capacity it's going to be Faulkner so uh, I think he's going to take away some of those targets they've also been coming out of camp right now they're saying they're going to they've been doing a lot of uh, two running back sets and uh, single running back sets with just Connor and just Samuel, but they're also uh, been including Roosevelt Nix has been getting into the mix as well. Um, they drafted Brenny Snell, who's a kind of a downhill bruiser style rusher. He's Kentucky's all-time leading rusher. I think he could possibly steal some goal line carries sometime down the, the season away from Connor as well. And I think the, the departure of AB is going to kind of hurt him this year. I think that uh, once people or the defenses kind of neutralize Juju on the outside, uh, they're going to just turn their attention to Connor, and he's going to face more stacked boxes here. Because, again, uh, this time it's Dante Moncrief, James Washington, and Deontay Johnson. They're no A-B. And, uh, you know, I'm not scared of them as a defensive coordinator. Uh, Otherwise, they'd already be on another team, especially somebody like, you know, Dante Moncrief. They'd be a number one somewhere else if he was actually that good. So I'm not really worried. I'm taking those guys out. You, then you had Connor talking about the split backfield about in June. He came out and said, right. yeah, we're going to enjoy more split backfields and this and that. Then he walked it back in July uh, saying, well, I'm going to have the same role that I had. And I think he is going to have the same role. I just don't think he's going to be on the field as much because for the uh, I think for the Pittsburgh to kind of make it far into the playoffs, they know that they need James Connor to be healthy. And the only way to do that is going to be to limit his snaps and kind of spread the ball around again this year. Yeah, 
he's he's a guy that like in my projections I have him really high. Yeah. Um, just from a statistical projection standpoint, and you know they're bringing back all five starters, and I do trust the offense, but he's really only got you know twelve to thirteen games, good games under his belt. Right. And I'm with you that I really like Jalen Samuels, and it was concerning to me. It sent up a little bit of a, a red flag that they used a fourth round pick on Benny Snell. Yep. Um, so I, I have him as a first round fantasy pick, but when I do my personal drafts, yeah. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not excited to draft James. <laughs> yeah, me, right, me not, neither. Yeah. Le'Veon yeah. Bell, Connor, those guys right and, there and are really sketchy. And Mixon are a little sketchy for me too. Although those three guys are kind of right, going about right about the same time. Like there was only six games of six of sixteen games where Connor actually performed better than his projected fantasy total last year. Yeah, and you know, I try to make my rankings really. I adjust them based on the drafts that I do personally because okay. I, I'm not trying to like I'm like I want to give rankings to people and have them be able to use them and like you know and have confidence in them. So every time I look at my rankings, I consider moving him down, <laughs> and I just have not gotten to that point yet. But I like I'm, I'm ser- like I'm telling you every single time I look at my top 150, my tiers. I'm like, man. It's just I'm where to put him though. Down, but I just can't. I just have not gotten to that point. But I, I, I very well, very well may uh, within the next week or so. Nice. Uh, my last uh, overhyped player here is another running back. This time in uh, Chicago, David Montgomery going in like the mid fourth round. Spending an earlier mid-fourth round pick on any unproven rookie is a huge risk to take, especially in the case of David Montgomery, though, who steps into kind of a crowded backfield in Chicago. The Bears signed Mike Davis to a pretty decent contract this offseason. I don't think they want to be paying him just to keep the bench warm. Plus, third-year back Tariq Cohen is a stud who makes plays, and he has a solidified role on this offense. What people seem most excited for with Montgomery is his ability to catch passes, and he did catch uh, 71 balls over his three years at Iowa State. Um, but I just can't see him so coming in and automatically taking all the pass-catching snaps away from Cohen and Davis and just being the workhorse back. Davis caught 34 passes last year for Seattle, and Cohen caught 71 for the Bears. So now with the addition of Montgomery... We have the three backs who can catch the ball, and I think the ultimate goal of that is to keep defenses honest and on their heels. No giveaway that they're going to run or pass like when they had uh, Jordan Howard last year. So I think Montgomery's going to just be a rotational piece of a committee backfield, and if that's the case, there's no way I'm pulling the trigger on him in the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that he always goes, you know, 12 picks at least ahead of where I would even consider him. Um, I do, I mean, the situation is okay. I mean, I don't think that, you know, the Bears are, the Bears are going to be like a balanced team in terms of run-pass ratio. They're bringing back all five starters on the offensive line. But, I mean, they're not going to necessarily hand the keys to the offense to Mitchell Trubisky. No. Um, Yeah, so I do (laughs) think that David Montgomery's usage is relatively safe, but you mentioned, like, he's getting hit from two ends. He's going to get hit from, by, by Terry uh, Tariq Cohen in the passing game, and Mike Davis was the third down back for Seattle. Right. Yeah. Last year. I mean, he's another guy who can. I mean, 
you know, how many passes is David Montgomery going to catch? Like 20? Seriously. You know, it, 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 it might not be a lot. I watched him play in college, and he broke so many tackles, but he also had to break tackles because he can't run away from anyone. Every yeah. time <laughs> that I saw that dude get into the open field, he got caught from behind. Yeah. Um, Hayden Winks, who writes for Roto World, uh, he had some statistic like David Montgomery – I don't know. I can't even remember exactly what it was. I think he scored zero touchdowns outside the red zone. Wow. And he was playing in the Big 12, <laughs> which is not known for its defense, you know? <laughs> so, so he, he like, just had no big playability. He's a, a pretty good grinder, and, you know, he's just pretty good. He's kind of like a jack of many trades, but master of none. Nice. Well said. <laughs> it's kind of one-dimensional. I was thinking the same thing watching his tape, how it's like he got great tackle-breaking ability, spin moves, juke moves, but like you said, just no long speed at all. Absolutely. So moving on to sleepers, players that are going way too low in drafts right now, players that are excellent values. Why don't you kick us off here, Evan? Yeah, so I'm surprised that people haven't really bought into Kiki QT yet, mm. and I keep getting him in every draft. I got him in Scott Fishbowl. Uh, I also got him uh, on Sunday night in that Pros versus Joes draft on uh, uh, FFPC. You know, he's really going overlooked, I think, because um, he's going to be needed in that offense as a quick out, high percentage slot guy on a team that can't pass protect. And you saw that last year. Last year, uh, Kiki QT averaged 10 targets per game and 7.2 catches per game in the five games where he played at least 30 snaps. Wow. And he, of course, battled a hamstring injury. So people think that he's injury prone. But, you know, Kiki QT played in 25 of 25 games to close out his college career at Texas Tech. So I'm not sold that he's injury prone. Uh, I am sold that he's good, though. He reminded me a lot of T.Y. Hilton actually coming out of college. Okay. And the Texans, you know, they don't throw to their tight ends much. They don't throw to their running backs much. Will Fuller is a guy that actually has proven to be pretty injury-prone, and the Texans are a high-volume offense. They've finished top 12 in the NFL in offensive plays all five years that Bill O'Brien has been their head coach. Uh, I also traded for Kiki QT recently in a, dy- in a uh, dynasty league in a trade with Scott Barrett of uh, PFF. I'm mm. buying him across formats. I don't wow. care if it's redraft, season-long, best ball, <laughs> dynasty, whatever. I think that Kiki QT is a buy right now. Wow. Yeah, he is going in like the 14th. Uh, 13th, 14th, right around like Larry Fitzgerald even still on the board, stuff like that. Uh, or even undrafted, like you're saying in some of the, the mocks that I'm doing right now. It's it's kind of it's crazy. Yeah, like you said, the only thing that was really scaring me away from him was the hamstring injury and worrying about his durability. But um, being healthy this year and with Fuller having a bigger track record of uh, lack of durability, QT's definitely the one to go with there. Uh, or good value to go with their late in drafts. I agree. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go uh, another tight end. I'm gonna stick with Vance McDonald. I'm gonna stick with Pittsburgh, uh, where I said James Conner kind of was hurt by the um, or hampered by the departure of Antonio Brown. I think it's gonna only uh, help the Vanimal this year, uh, and I think uh, he's gonna. He's going to take off. He's definitely one of my sleepers. Uh, ben loves to throw to his to his tight end. Uh, the, fl- the last four years that 
uh, Heath Miller's career in this with the Steelers, he averaged 87 targets a year, and that was playing with Antonio Brown last year. McDonald had 72 targets, and that was with both Jesse James and Antonio Brown there. Both of them have left now. That frees up 202 targets, I believe it is. Um, and again, the same thing with the whole uh, James Conner. You've got Dante Moncrief, James Washington, Deontay Johnson. I mean, they're going to absorb some of those those targets. But I think uh, if McDonald's can secure just Jesse James's targets, that'll put him up right around 111. And if he gets 10 more from maybe Antonio Browns, that puts him flirting with like right around 120, which would put him right around uh, the Kittle uh, area. So I definitely have him outperforming tight ends like O.J. Howard and Eric Ebron for sure. And like you were saying before with the Ertz thing, uh, the regression is coming with that. And possibly even Kittle. I know you're high on him, but I, I with with Jimmy G coming back in a healthy and better receiver core there in uh, San Francisco, I could see a regression in maybe yards coming for him. Uh, maybe touchdowns, he might he might have a couple more touchdowns because I believe he only had five, I think it was, last year. But uh, So I could see McDonald actually finishing possibly top four. Um, the Steelers aren't going to change their philosophy, their offensive philosophy overnight. They're a pass team. They love to pass, but I think they are going to have more, see more people in the box, uh, keying on James Conner. And I think that again, is going to free up, um, McDonald, McDonald for sure. And so uh, that's kind of what Randy Fickner's, uh, the offensive coordinator. That's kind of his, what he's going to want to do. He's going to want to get the ball out of uh, Ben's hands quickly um, keep him upright, keep him healthy. He's not as mobile as he used to be or ever was. Uh, so I, I'm slowly seeing his ADP kind of slowly rise. But if you can get him in a draft now, I think his uh, return on value for McDonald is is huge right now. Um, and I he's definitely going to be one of my my underdraft or underhyped people right now. Yeah, we're uh, agreeing way too much uh, on, on this show. And, you know, <laughs> next time we got to set it up. More to be like Stephen A. Yeah, right. Sort of thing, you know? <laughs> um, I, I love Vance McDonald. Uh, last year was number three among all NFL tight ends in uh, yards after the catch, and he was number two Based. among all NFL tight ends in uh, broken tackles behind o- only George Kittle. Actually, had more broken tackles and way fewer targets yeah. than Travis Kelsey, who had like 150 targets and Vance McDonald have what like you know 75 so I mean this dude you know his, his the knock on him early in his career was that he had like hands of stone but um, but he played you know, for the Niners yeah right <laughs> uh, and, and Colin Kaepernick could you know was never good at like changing speeds no passes, you know so yeah, how many touch balls passer. are going to clang off your hands when you know you don't have a good touch passer as your quarterback exactly yeah and Ben has always loved him um, you remember that uh, playoff game against the Jaguars where he had like 16 targets? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I always hearken back to that. And I think that that loss of, quote unquote, loss of J- Jesse James uh, is kind of underrated uh, as it pertains to Vance McDonald because they kind of shared time. Yeah. Uh, you know, and pulling, and now their number two tight end is Xavier Grimble, who they, who they have never really shown a propensity to want to play a whole lot. So I think that Vance McDonald, just his playing time, is going to really go up. And we've already seen that he can be dynamic after the catch. So I'm 
100% with you on Vance McDonald. I yeah. try to get him as often as I possibly can. Yeah, he's definitely a beast. Make sure you turn in next week on our special guest, uh, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Causing up a, <laughs> stirring up a storm. What's uh what's your next what's your one here, Fritzy? Your uh sleeper for the folks. My next sleeper? Sure. What? Oh, you want me to go next? Or... I just did Vince. Oh, yeah, it's go back turn. to back. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, so it's me up here. I'm going Anthony Miller. Um, right now is ADP's late eleventh, early twelfth. And it's based so it's very cheap. I've been able to take him as my last receiver in just about all the mock drafts I'm doing. Very happy with that. Um, either go for like him or Cortland Sutton late. But what makes his seven touchdowns as a rookie last year even more impressive is that he did it all with basically just one arm. He dislocated his shoulder in week three and it never really got the chance to heal properly all year. He was quoted as saying, Every time I tried to stiff arm, it would come out. Or if I ran kind of crazy, it would come out. Really, I was playing games with like one arm, making it happen. This year I've got two, so watch out. Um, <clears throat> the first thing that comes to my mind, obviously he's tough as nails. But second, um, honestly, I worried long term about the, the shoulder. Is this just going to become a reoccurring issue now? But he had surgery back in January. Hopefully he should be all systems go here in year two. He's a young guy. Um, but 423 yards and seven touchdowns as a rookie playing hurt. Now in year two, I really think Miller's going to capitalize on his improved health and blow those rookie numbers out of the water. Yeah, he mentioned publicly that he felt like his shoulder came out of the socket five or six times over the course of the season. <laughs> it's incredible, That's right? It's not good. Yeah. Um, I, I, man, I loved him coming out of college. And um, I thought he had maybe even a little bit of Antonio Brown to him. Just such a like a quick uh, and explosive route runner. Not necessarily a long speed guy, but um, hyper productive at Memphis. Um, and I just thought he was such a good football player. And he dealt with you know, a ton of adversity as a rookie. The issue with the Bears is... You know, are they like last year? It was hard to predict week to week which guy was going to get the ball a lot. It, you know, some weeks it would be Tariq Cohen, some weeks it would yeah. be Jordan Howard if they had a lead, some weeks it would be Allen Robinson, some weeks it would be Taylor Gabriel, you know, some weeks it would be Anthony Miller, some weeks it would be Trey Burton. You know, they kind of have like a lot of options, but I, I mean, I love Anthony Miller as a player, and I hope that you're right. I, I want to see him take a second year lead. I don't remember any of the Trey Burton weeks. I think I had him on a couple teams. <laughs> yeah, he went, over, he went over 40 yards three times. Oh, my God, it was heartbreaking last year. Yeah. I, uh, I had yeah. such high expectations coming out of Philly. You thought he was going to just blow doors, but, my God, the guy killed me last year. Yeah, there were some stories in Chicago where I lived that he lost his confidence. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which is a little bit scary. Um, that sucks. He, did not, he didn't even play in their playoff game. Um, really? Yeah. He, he was such a badass. Maybe he should just yeah, listen I mean, to our podcast and he'll and he'll get his confidence back. <laughs> I mean, you know, in 2017, whenever Zach Ertz was out, if you played him in DFS, you were you got rich. Yeah, he crushed it every single time. Yep. Just didn't translate. Totally agree. Well, hopefully he's gotten his confidence back this offseason. Hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully he comes back ready to rock and roll here. 
year two. I mean, maybe he took on too much being like that guy that came in and was kind of teaching the offense to everyone. Because that's, that's, that's what made me so high on him last year and target him in drafts was that he knew the offense so well. But it didn't work out. All right. Last one. Evan, are you up? Yes, sir. Okie dokie. Yes, um, my last one for undervalued and uh, slash underrated is going to be Alexander Madison. Ooh. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I was kind of predicting this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily big into drafting like handcuffs, but I think that Alexander Madison can be more than a handcuff, and he could have standalone value. He's a very different player than Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison's 221 pounds. He's a big grinder. He's a chain-moving back. Uh, the Vikings drafted him in the third round, which is pretty good draft capital, capital to invest in a guy. Uh, and he fits right into that old Latavius Murray role, possibly even as a goal line vulture. Uh, you look at what the Vikings are trying to do. They're trying to establish the run. They hired Gary Kubiak. They drafted a first-round center. They drafted Alexander Madison in the third round. They went super run-heavy after firing John DiFilippo as their offensive coordinator last year. Right. So I think sure. that Alexander Madison, right off the bat, has a shot at 9 to 12 touches per game to open the season. And then Dalvin Cook has only played in 15 of 32 possible games to begin his career. Yeah. So I think that Alexander Madison uh, can open the season as like a low-end flex option. And then if Dalvin Cook gets hurt again, he could be an RB2 or even like a low-end RB1 if Dalvin Kirk, Cook uh, goes down again. Wow. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. We were going to ask you if you were handcuffed or if you were interested in uh, any of the, the rookie class, but that's 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 cool that you said that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's not an, a super exciting prospect. He is kind of like David Montgomery in that he never busted long runs in college. He averaged under right. five yards per carry. Um, he ran four six seven at the combine, which is brutal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, he, but he, he did run four five five at the Boise State Pro Day. Okay. Um, so maybe he just had a bad day at, at the at the combine. But um, I think that you know they could gravitate towards him in like clock killing situations and short yardage slash goal line situations. Yeah, and like you said, it, it's it, it's never a sure bet that uh, Dalvin Cook's gonna gonna play an entire season. So, it's always, there's there's a possibility right there. Right, because I've been really high on Dalvin Cook this year um, for all the reasons you mentioned, that they have drafted a center in the first round, brought in Kubiak, kind of fired Filippio f- uh, for uh, his lack of run, of run game calls. So, I'm high on Cook, but if he does go down and he's shown a, dur- uh, a propensity to go down, Madison is definitely worth the late round flyer. I agree. Yeah, and this is not like a shot at Dalvin Cook. Like, stay high on Dalvin Cook. I'm high on Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there is some risk there. So, you know, we can like zoom out and be like, hey, you know, we have a chance to be wrong here and to kind of hedge our bets. We can definitely take Alexander Madison in the 13th round. Yeah, that's cool. Right. If Cook goes down, everyone's going to be scrambling to the waiver wire to try and get him, and then it's one of those where you oh. see he's already on someone's bench. And Evan's like, ah. already got him. Well, my, my, my next guy is actually Latavius Murray, who he just, Madison's who took his place. Right. Uh, so I think that this guy is going way, way, way too low. He's actually coming in and he's filling in the Mark Ingram role. 
Uh, it's pretty much a set role. Mark Ingram was going being draft, drafted in the fourth round last year, and that was with the four-game suspension. Whew. And right now, Latavius Murray is is going in like the tenth round. Uh, uh, Ingram finished as the running back 32 and playing in only 12 games. So that averaged out or extrapolated out to 16-game season. Uh, that would have been 190 points, and he would have finished the running back 19. So there's that possibility for Latavius Murray uh, right there. Um, they uh, the big argument is that he's not a big catch, pass catcher, excuse me. And and my argument against that is it's actually because he wasn't ever thrown the ball uh, in Minnesota. He only averaged 21 and a half targets the two years he was there. But when he was in Oakland, the last two years of the three years that he was there, he actually averaged 48 targets while he was there per year. Uh, and over his five-year span, Latavius Murray has uh, an 80.2% catch rate, which uh, Alvin Kamara last year had a 78.7. So he's got a better catch percentage than Alvin Kamara did last year. Um, and as far as measurables go, I think I was looking at the Fantasy Footballers website, and they had something that, I mean, he's like the, Murray's the $6 million man version of of Mark Ingram. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. Um, he's being wow. drafted <clears throat> after guys like Darius Geis right now and Daryl Henderson. So those are two guys that we don't even know or have a, a clear, defined role on their team's offenses. Uh, we don't even know if... Any of them, either of those guys will even see the field this year or have any fantasy relevance. Um, so we've got him around running back 33-34. So I think it's kind of a, a, a no-brainer to take Latavius Murray. In 2017, I, they had um, uh, Kamara and, and Ingram finished as the running back six and the running back three. So I don't think they're going to replicate anything like that. But uh, as, they, as New Orleans moves to a more run-heavy offense, uh, it's it's definitely possible that they both finish in the top 10 this year. You know, Latavius Murray's a really interesting guy because every time that I play in like, a, um, or I draft in a super sharp uh, draft, mm-hmm. he goes like three rounds ahead of where he uh, will, like uh, like when I play like in high, against high stakes guys, right? Hmm. He, he will go, he'll go like in the sixth or seventh round, you know, and then sometimes, so, and then you mentioned his, you know, his kind of uh, general ADP is like ninth or 10th round. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have him. You mentioned that his ADP is RB uh, thirty four slash thirty five. I have him RB twenty seven. Do you? Okay. So I'm like, yeah, considerably ahead. And you know, I, I got this like little story. So I went to the combine uh, in Indianapolis this year, and awesome. um, I was hanging out with uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, uh, who's uh, at Frisco Josh on Twitter, and um, I don't know Robert Mays from uh, uh, the Ringer and a bunch of different uh, football writers and we actually ran into Sean Payton really late night wow. uh, at a bar at like, like literally two thirty in the morning. I mean, it was, yeah. Late night, Sean Payton. So I, I, I'm actually surprised that I remember this, but uh, <laughs> I, I was like, yo man, you know, your offense was, uh, you know, you guys were operating at peak efficiency when you guys were using Alvin Kamara for 23 touches per game in the first four games. Yeah. And, and then they actually scaled him back to 16.7 touches per game when Ingram came off uh, suspension. Right. And I was like, "What? Just let's go, man. You know, let's. Why, why don't you just uh, unleash Alvin Kamara?" And he said, "Well, and I mean, I, I'm not going to use the exact terms that he he said, but <laughs> he, he pretty much said that Alvin Kamara can't handle that." Wow. Um, yeah. 
So, which, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Alvin Kamara is not the biggest back. No, he's you're right. Guy, he's not a guy you want to be banging inside the tackle. No. Um, you know, like, you know, like that. And you want, you want to have a complimentary back to him. And Latavius Murray at 223 pounds, six foot two. Yeah. You know, that, that's the guy that, you know, that's the exact kind of body type type. Yeah. Perfect fit. Yeah. That that you want to use as a compliment to him. And last year, Mark Ingram averaged 13.3 touches per game. I think that that's Latavius Murray's four. Yeah. And you mentioned how uh, Mark Ingram finished at the RB six in 2017. You know, he was up around like 17 or 18 touches per game. So that's the kind of range that we're looking at for Latavius Murray, something between 13 and 18 touches per game. I'll take that's, it. That's that's pretty awesome for a, uh, you know, a seventh or eighth round pick. Yeah. And then what what happens if Alvin Kamara gets hurt? Oh, geez, it's he's going. He's, he's going to be a number. He's, he's going to be RB one for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like him. I've been taking him as my RB three. Maybe even an RB four like later on in drafts, but trying to make sure that I always get him because he's he can as a fill in you're gonna you're guaranteed you know at least I'm saying ten points uh, every week and that's that's again his floor. Last player on the bill today is my one of my absolute favorites, someone I'm very high on, and someone that we've both uh, become higher on throughout this process um doing all our research we didn't even realize that this guy's as good as he is talking about atlanta falcons tight end austin hooper going in like the 10th 11th round uh if you miss out on one of those top three tight ends vance mcdonald in the eighth is a great value but i'd rather wait personally two rounds and scoop up austin hooper because i'm really high on any and all atlanta pass catchers this year only three of their 16 games this week are outside. Yeah. They play inside <laughs> uh, every week until week 11. That's got to be beneficial to the passing attack. So I'm high on Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and now Austin Hooper. Hooper's going, only going to be 25 this season, and he's improved in every receiving category over each of his three years in the league. He's improved in targets, catches, yards, touchdowns, and catch percentage with every year. Why wouldn't this be his breakout year? It's also um, last year of his rookie contract. As a former third-round pick, he's got to be looking to get paid. He put up 71 catches for 660 yards and four touchdowns last year. If he improves on that, he'll be one of the top tight ends in the league. Yeah, he has not been a big play guy so far in his career. But if you look at the way that, first of all, his athleticism is above average. And if you look at the way that Dirk Cutter, who is coming back to Atlanta, um, employed O.J. Howard, and look, O.J. Howard is a much better athlete than, than Austin Hooper. Yeah. But if you look at the way that he employed O.J. Howard, he used him to run, like, downfield seam routes. And so if we could just get a little bit more of that from Austin Hooper, then we can up his, you know, his yards per reception, which is really, really low. Last year's dot was below seven yards. So he's really been a possession mm. tight end. Okay. But if we can just up his dot to, like, you know, nine yards from seven, then uh, I think that we can see a, a few more big plays. He was a big play tight end at Stanford. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I remember coming out that year, uh, one of the uh, film gurus that I really uh, respect is Matt Waldman of Football Guys. Yeah. He liked, yeah, he liked Austin Hooper better than Hunter Henry coming out of college. Wow. 
Um, yeah, Huge. so I, that's just a little interesting uh, nugget. Yeah, that's but cool. yeah, this this offense should be prolific. I love you know. I think it's thirteen out of sixteen games they're playing indoors, as you mentioned. Yeah, and um, if you look at uh, Matt Ryan's production in his career when he's playing indoors, it's uh, significantly superior, and Austin Hooper can be a beneficiary of that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm targeting Ryan in all all my drafts. Um, uh, Calvin Ridley, Hooper, obviously Jones, but yeah, playing indoors, it's got it's, it's can only be beneficial to anyone. But, but yes, the numbers do prove for Matt Ryan as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, once again, we'd like to thank Evan Silva for coming on tonight. This was amazing. Thank you so much for uh, spent giving us your time. Thanks for making John's birthday that much better. Oh, happy birthday, man. How old are you? Oh, turning 24. Whoa! Oh, man, I wish I was 24. <laughs> He's getting old. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting old. I'm getting up there, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been such a pleasure and an honor, Evan. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, this was a blast. Thanks so, so much for having me on to talk some ball, and uh, good luck to you guys this year. Thanks, bud. Absolutely. Thank you. You can follow Evan at uh, at Evan Silva on Twitter or at Establish the Run. Congratulations on the new website, EstablishTheRun.com. Do you want to take a second to tell uh, the folks about that? I mean, you can just check it out uh, at Establish the Run on Twitter and EstablishTheRun.com. Uh, we're really excited for the next thing that's coming, which is preseason DFS. If you like to make money, this is the this is the sport to play daily fantasy in. Um, and we will absolutely be providing the best information that you can possibly get on the internet regarding preseason DFS. We're starting on Thursday night, Hall of Fame game, baby. Football is back. Yeah. Yeah. Can't can't tell you how excited I am. Well, good luck to you and, and Adam. Evan, thank you again. Thanks, guys. Take oh. it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you. want to say thanks again to Evan Silva for taking the time out of his day to spend uh, 40 minutes with us talking that ball. That was fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Hope you all enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed um, recording it. Uh, please make sure you tune in next week. we got a great guest next week. We're continuing. We're keeping the trend going. We have another special guest. We're going to have Elliot Christ of TQE, the Quant Edge, on. We're going to be discussing rookies and their path to fantasy relevance. So thank once again, thank you all for listening. Uh, make sure you follow us at BOAB Sports on Twitter. Uh, tweet any kind of question, fantasy question you have at us, and we will ret- we will respond probably immediately. Hopefully, if not sooner, <laughs> we'll reply before you even finish. Before sending you even the tweet. know the question, right. we'll send you the answer. Or just <laughs> listen to the podcast, and then you won't have to ask the question. There you go. There you go. So, uh, and then you can follow me at OG Willikers. What about you, Fritz? I'm at Fritz underscore TFFA, the fantasy football architect on Twitter. Uh, again, we want to thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had as good a time as we did. John, happy birthday. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, we'll see you all next week. See you next week. Woo!